<laughs> I, got a, I got a slave right now. This is fantastic. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Michael. Give him a hand. That was amazing. Like a boss. He's taking over the, uh, the coordinating of the services in the morning, doing a great job, by the way. Mm. Did you guys enjoy the music this morning? Yeah. Woo! Man, that was good. That was good. All right. Before I get started, there's a few things i got to clear up. First off, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank you. I introduced Josh to the, uh, foot, the American Gridiron football. Now, I'm aware they won the Super Bowl in February, pre-COVID. However, my sister only sent over a care package last week, so i got to brag a little bit. It has been over 50 years since we made it to the finals, so I'm just letting you guys know that I'm geared to be a Docker supporter, and I have been since I got off the plane, all right? I will not change. <laughs> I will not. That got me off the plane, so here we go. We got this. So there's that one. Um, and so this morning... We're going to be talking about um, the confidence that we have. We're going to be finishing up our, our look into 1 John. Uh, have you been enjoying the series so far? Yeah. Everyone got your books? It's not over yet. You got your last week. Everyone been doing this? Yeah. Man, uh, I think it's awesome that we, get, we have a church that's actually like encouraging us to study together. It's awesome. It gets rid of all the excuses of I don't know what I'm going to be doing or where do I start. And even people who are like, oh, I don't have the time to do this. Really? 1 John 3, 1 through 3, I can't read three verses, and then ponder on. Anyways, it's fantastic. I'm not trying to criticize, but this is absolutely amazing. And over the length of the series, uh, 1 John 1, Pastor Josh spoke on life in the light. If you don't remember that or you weren't here, go back and watch it. Uh, 1 John 2, he also spoke about wasted love. If you don't remember, go back and watch it. Uh, 1 John 3, Pastor Braun spoke on from death to life. Go back and watch it. Uh, and then last week, Chris spoke on compelled to love. It's been a great series. It's been a great series, and so I'm finishing up this morning on the confidence we have, and the subplot that's running through 1 John is discovering and uncovering the radical love of God for humanity. Mm. It is so, so good. Absolutely amazing. Um, 1 John is actually written to believers, a group of believers. So uh, when we're speaking out of that this morning, we are making the assumption that you are somewhat familiar. He was making the assumption that we're somewhat familiar with Christ and the church. Um, so when we're saying discovering uh, and uncovering the radical love of God for humanity, like John focuses a lot on the love of God and a lot on how we should be living. And so that's, that's, that's where we're coming from. So if you're reading this being like, oh, you know, what's this saying about somebody who's out on the street? Um, this is once we get into the fold. If I could say that. So, but before we get started, Chris made a comment last week about how could anyone love a cat? <laughs> I took offense to that. I would like to show you how someone could love a cat. Can we get the, oh my goodness. This is Princess Leia. Can we put the next one up too? Where, where's the next one? I've got two of them. There should be one. Oh, Josh, you cropped it off, but that cat is adorbs. That is how you can love a cat. Cats have got personality. Dogs, they, they're loyal through their whole life. Cats, you got to treat them well. <laughs> and even if you don't, <laughs> they still, yeah, I mean, cats, they're very vindictive. But anyways, that's Princess Leia. Very excited. So um, I got her for my birthday um, this, this past year. It's been absolutely a joy. But the newest joy, in addition to my family, I would love to introduce you. Les presento a mi hijo Eli. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so, hola mi hijito, hello Lucy, hello Eli, how's everyone doing? Eres muy guapo, he is so handsome. I thought he was going to be a face only a daddy could love, and if that is the case and I got blinders on, I don't want to hear it from you. But um, I actually, yeah, he's a very, very cool child. So I want to give a shout out to my family, they're watching a live stream back home. He just hit three weeks yesterday, so we're very, very excited. 
Huge blessing. All right. So throughout the, uh, the book of 1 John, let's get back into to the message today. John is addressing the church around some discrepancies. I'm not going to get into the discrepancies. That's not what it's about today. But there were some false teachings going around. I remember uh, Pastor Josh was talking about, you know, the idea of this antichrist. So this message that's against, you know, what, what Christ had actually spoken about. Um, and so because of these false, false teachings, John's like, well, let's actually get down and look at what we believe, why we believe, and let's focus on the love of God. Um, one of the, the false teachings was Jesus wasn't actually crucified. So that was one of the things that he was coming against. So he's like, we know that, you know, we, we um, serve a crucified Christ and a risen Christ. We know this. So we see time and time again in 1 John that he's reminding the audience and us today of God's love for us and what love looks like and how it impacts our lifestyle as followers of Christ. So the chapter we have this morning, 1 John 5, we've got two verses that we're going to focus at. They'll probably come up on the screen, I think. Yes, fantastic. And we can be confident. We can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. Verse 15, and if we know he's listening when we make our request, we can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. I'm going to read this one more time because this is what we're focusing on. We can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask anything for him in line with his will. And if we know he's listening when we make our request, we can be sure that he'll give us what we ask for. So I'd like to spend the next few minutes looking at this confidence. All right, exploring this concept of praying. But first, ooh, I like this. That's me. That's me on live stream. That's me on live stream. I heard my voice. You're cheating. That's like a 20-second delay. I was like, that's me. <laughs> that's okay. I was like, man, that is a sexy voice. It was mine. That makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, it, it's okay. Seriously, I've embarrassed you enough. I won't bring you back out. She was listening in a live stream at church. <laughs> but, all right. <laughs> Can't get enough, right? You got to hear from all angles. All right. So, first, though, with this, with this, these two scriptures, I actually want to talk about conditionals in the scripture. Conditionals. So, let's look at this. Verse 14 says, we can be confident that God will listen to us. Hallelujah. God's going to listen to us. It's fantastic. God will listen to us. Absolutely, he does. Because of what he's done and because of who he is, I can actually go straight to God with my request. I don't have to have anyone else step in for me. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. I think this is a, a lovely part of being in the kingdom. It's what I have. It's my right. It's my privilege. But the verse goes on. He will listen to us whenever. Come on, give me your best whenever. All right, look to the person to your left, say whenever. whenever. Person to your right, say whenever. whenever. And if your neck will allow you, turn around and to the person behind you and say whenever. whenever. Now, if you did that correct, you should have been looking at someone's back. <laughs> they should have also been turned, right? Yeah. That was, anyways, it's when it says, he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will. That is a condition. That is a condition. Michael, can we just stick with verse 15? Pastor John, or whoever's running the, can you put verse 15 back up? Can we just stick with verse 15 where it says, and since we know he hears us, when we make our request, we also know that he'll give us what we ask for. Can we just stick with that one? I like that one. We can be sure that he'll give us what we ask for. Let's use that one. I've asked for a new car before. I think God will give us, you know, the desires of our heart. I'm not saying that, but it's just like, oh, God, I want a new car, so I'm going to name it. I'm going to claim it. I've asked to win the mega lottery on several occasions. Don't act like you don't play the lottery. All right, but I, I've asked. I haven't won yet, but 
God, your word just said that you'll give me what I ask for. I'm asking to win the lottery. Conditions. So it, conditional. Let's look at some other conditional scriptures. I believe that we have a role to play in accessing God's promises. So Luke 17, 6 says, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed. I don't know if you've seen a mustard seed. I've actually looked at them a few times. They're quite tiny. But it says, even if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. And it says, you know, you can say to this tree, get up and be, be gone, mountain be moved. We can talk that way. But what's the condition of being able to claim that? If we have faith. We have to have the faith. That's a conditional scripture. I think it is. If, I, if I'm reading it, uh, all right, so let's move on. Oh, but you got to have faith, faith, faith. Oh, you got to have faith. Don't pretend like you don't know who George Michael is either. Bunch of hypocrites. No. I know you know that. Romans 10, 9. Let's put that one up. I think, yeah, there we go. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. What do I have to do there? If I confess... And I believe in my heart, and I'm saved. It's conditional. It's a conditional promise. All right? So I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning. I think the hardest part for me to get my head around, especially when I was reading this in 1 John 5, is I've always been told God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he is. <laughs> but that's what I've been told. He's unchanging. His love is unconditional. His grace is unconditional. His nature is unconditional. His promises are yes and amen. And are conditionally unconditional. I'm going to step on my own toes now. Conditionally unconditional. What in the world is that? I have a role to play in accessing God's promises. Anyone um, like math and science? I hear that one murmur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. That's my forte. I, I'm su such a geek. I'm a geek. Love it. And I love conditional statements, equations. Loved them. Absolutely loved them. If this and this, I get this. For this to be true, I have to have these two here. It's, it's a conditional. If I combine two parts, hydrogen and one part, oxygen, what do I get? I was hoping someone would know that. <laughs> Please remember what H2O. I get water. I don't get anything else. I don't. It's a condition. It, it's how it works. It's, it's it. The sun rises in the east. That's how we as a global society have orientated ourselves in the universe. The sun rises in the east. If I wake up and the sun's coming up in the morning, what's the problem? If I wake up in the morning and the sun is rising in the west, what's the problem? I'm looking the wrong way. I need to turn myself around. Guess what? Because it's coming up in the east. It happens all the time. That's, it's, it's, these are conditional equations. And so with conditional equations, so if we're looking at verse 14 and we so we can ask anything, we can be confident and approach him that whenever we ask anything in line with his will, what happens if I don't meet the term of the condition? I'm not sure, but it's not going to be that. I don't get the end results of whatever the condition may be. The promises of God are there for the taking, waiting on us, and it is in God's nature to keep his promises. It is in his nature to keep his promises. And God's character is unchanging. So why would I, why should I expect God to answer something or do something that's out of line with his character? With his will. And John's taking the time to remind us of this. Why should I? Why, 
Can I pray for someone, someone's house to burn down? I can. I absolutely can. Do I think God burning someone's house down is in line with his will? Yeah, thank you, Pastor. <laughs> so probably not, hopefully not. But, but so that, I mean, that's, that's, these are the conditions. And we don't stop to think about that where we're praying all the time, God do this, God do that. God, I'm not saying, like, I, God cares. God does care. But what's the motive behind that? Where's the prayer coming from? Are we meeting, I guess, the, the terms and the conditions of what prayer looks like? I don't know. God's will might be for the orphans and the widows to be cared for. Actually, I know that's scriptural. So that's what I'm saying might be in this situation to get you to think. It might be, or for those who are oppressed or downtrodden to be set free. And so we get in this tension of waiting on God. We're saying, God, I know that you want to set the city free. I know you want to do something, and we won't get off or behind to do something about it. God's saying, well, I've given you feet. i blessed you financially to do something about it. You're part of an awesome community. Go do something. But, but God, I'm, I'm praying to you to... I'll walk away from that one. <laughs> James 4.2 says that we don't have because we don't ask for it. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that one my entire life. But James 4.3 says, and even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive's wrong. <laughs> you only want what will give you pleasure. So, coming into this, when I was reading 1 John 5, preparing for this, I had some initial questions that I turned into a three-part sermon. I haven't done a three-part sermon in so long. <laughs> Getting back to my, uh, my old Pentecostal roots. My questions were, what is my confidence? What is my confidence? My second question is, why would I pray if God's will is the same and unchanging? Why should I even pray? Have you ever thought that? I have. Hmm. Well, I'm going to explore it with you whether you want to hear it or not. And then number three, what does it mean to be in line with his will? So let's start with that. My confidence. Confidence is boldness. 1 John 5, just 1 John 5 alone in like seven verses gives us several confidences. The Bible is filled with all these confidences we have. But 1 John 5, listen to this, verse 13 says that we can be assured of eternal life. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go through and read 1 John 5. That's your homework for this week anyways. Go through and read it. Explore it. But verse 13 says, I can be assured of eternal life. Verse 14 and 15 says, he's listening to us and answering prayer in line with his will. Verse 18 says that I have victory over sin. Verse 19 says that we belong to God. I belong to something. I belong to someone. And verse 20 says, Jesus is my Savior. I have all these confidences in seven little verses. That's confidence. But how many, um, how many times do we put our confidence in things that fail us? How many times do I put my confidence in me because I think I know best? I'm going to venture and say it's quite often. God, if I, if I just got this job, things would be different. What am I putting my faith in? Yep, myself, the job. If I just had this job, things would change. I'm not saying it wouldn't. I'm not trying to say that at all. But I'm putting my faith in the job as opposed to asking for God, God, what's your will in this situation? Hmm. God might say yes, God might say no, and he might say I've got something so much better, but you need to wait. Rather than putting our faith in ourselves, we need to put our faith in God. And I think we know that. It's just a reminder. But we know that God has already paved a way for us. I can approach him with confidence. We have access. I've already said that. It's my right. I think a poor analogy would be um, we approach our elected officials. That's a very poor analogy. But if I need to bring something, to, I, I go to them, and they, they step in on my behalf. It can be addressed. It doesn't mean I'm going to get what I want. Hmm. Moving on from that one again. We can be confident that despite my shame, my failings, my fears, my ineptitude, whatever the doctor's report says, I can be confident in him. 
However, sometimes we get so focused on what we look like when we approach. I've got to be the perfect person, or I've got to be this, or I've got to be that. We start putting our confidence back in me and what I can do to make this right. We lose that confidence. No. So we can confidently approach God, and to do so, we have to have faith. Hebrews 11, I think this one's up here as well. Hebrews 11, 6 says, so you see it's impossible to please God without faith. That is a condition. Anyone who wants to come to him, there's another condition, must believe there is a God, and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So the reason I pray is because I pray because I believe that God, he cares. I do believe he cares. It says this. But I got to believe there's a God to begin with. Otherwise, what am I praying to? Why Why even approach? So the first point is we have confidence, people. We need to be excited about that. We have confidence. It's not this little mamby-pamby, let me get down and be like, oh, God, I'm not sure about that. No, it's, it's, we, we have confidence. And then with that, why should I pray if God is only going to act according to his will? Now, let's, let's really get on some stuff here. What's the point in praying if God only listens when I pray his will? He's not changing for me. Sit with it for a second. I'm actually going to give like a nice 10 seconds of silence, and we're going to get very uncomfortable. All right? So I'm going to ask that one more time. What's the point in praying if God only listens when I pray his will? internal metronome told me that was 10 seconds hmm hopefully you're thinking about this now this is where i'm going to put my my spin on it i suppose i'd posit prayer promotes unity in the church and fosters relationships because when i'm praying i'm looking at the broader sense of the community i'm praying for those people i'm doing life with prayer is communication prayer lines up with his will we see through these uh, the scriptures all the time examples of how to pray. It says pray for your leaders, for your pastors. It says um, you pray for yourself. First Timothy said, Paul says pray for everyone. But we pray in order to discover God's will. Ooh. We've already established his will is unchanging, and I believe like, you know, God's character is the same. But when I start praying, I start uncovering God's will. John Bunyan had a quote that I really liked, and it says, Prayer opens the heart to God, and it is the means by which the soul, though empty, is filled by God. Thank you. That is good. Look at that. Prayer opens the heart to God, and it is the means by which the soul, though empty, is filled by God. Oswald Chambers had one that says, The point of asking God is that you may get to know God better. Prayer does not provide God with new information. (laughs) It does not inform God. Prayer does not inform God. But listen to this. Prayer becomes the mechanism by which we can be informed by him. Mm. For my taste testing, I'm going to taste that one again. Mm, That was good. Prayer does not inform God, but it's the mechanism by which we are informed by him. Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff, Marcus. Mm. So, I think that's why we should pray. Draws us closer. We get informed. It establishes community. So let's move in now to what I consider the, the meat of this. So if we ask according to his will, his conditional, what is God's will? This is tough. 
What is God's will? This is a hard one because a lot of times we read Scripture and we find Scripture and we listen to teachings that back up our ideology and my point of view. We hear what we want to hear. I'm actually reminded of the time, and yes, this is a joke. I'm prefacing it with a joke, okay? All right, I don't want to string you along on this one, but I'm reminded of the 72-year-old man that went to the doctor. And he was getting a normal checkup. The doctor then orally gave him his report, and the guy left, and he had a huge smile on his face. He was so excited. Ah, so nice. The doctor was like, man, that's really, really weird that someone left my office that happy with what I just told him, but okay. So the next week, the doctor's out going through the town, and he sees this old man. This guy's got, he just pulls up in a Porsche, and he's got a lady half his age. He's got his arm around, <laughs> and he's smiling. Oh, you already know the answer, apparently. <laughs> he's smiling ear to ear, and the doctor goes up to him. He said, what are you doing? Like, someone that age is going to cause you so much stress. And he's like, I'm taking your advice, doc. He's like, what, what advice? What, 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 what are you actually saying here? And he sits there, and he says, you said go out and get a hot mama and be cheerful. <laughs> doctor says, I didn't say that at all. I said, you have a heart murmur and be careful. <laughs> we hear what we want to hear. And the guy obviously heard what he wanted to hear, right? So this can get really tricky. Is it God's will for a four-year-old child to die? Is it God's will for cancer to be cured? Hmm. So how do I know what his will is and how we pray? Maybe you hear an audible voice of God. Maybe you do. Um, I don't at the moment, um, but just because I don't hear audibly from God doesn't mean I don't hear from God. Guess what? The will of God is already written. <laughs> the will is in his word. And also, the Bible says the word of God became flesh and lived with us through the person of Jesus. So now I have an example as well. We can learn the will of God by knowing God. Um, I do study uh, Greek, haven't done it in a while, but the Greek concept of gnosis, uh, that's how I say it, so a lot of people say gnosis, but it's this idea of knowing now, um, if I'm out in, 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 and I don't know if you've been walking on Pastor Josh when you're walking on the footpaths and stuff like that um, through um, the city of Mandra here, but he's around everywhere. I <laughs> uh, love it. You look good, man. But, you know, if I'm sitting there, I'm having a conversation with somebody, and, and we've had family visit, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's my pastor. That's Pastor Josh. And they're like, oh, I know him. Do you? I may know who he is. Like, I may have an idea of who he is, but do we actually know him? This concept of knowing is such an intimate knowledge, and we actually don't have a way of describing that in our language. If I want to learn the will of God, I actually need to know who he is. How do I find that out? It's my responsibility with the aid of the Holy Spirit to read and to pray. God cannot force me to read and to pray. It's not just a Sunday morning knowledge. It's not how it works. God will give us the desires of our heart. Yes, I believe that. But my desires begin to be met once they're in line with what God's desires are. And my desires start to line up with what God's desires are when I get to know God more. 1 John is showing us how this radical love transforms us. And with transforming Romans 12 too, says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then, one more time, everyone give me a then. That's a condition. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Transformed. We get transformed. I, I took my Bible off the stage, man. We get transformed by reading, by studying, 
by spending time, by chewing the fat with other believers. Chewing the fat, by the way, is an expression. It's an idiom. It's talking about we talk, right? So I'm not sure if everyone knows that one. I use a lot of uh, country sayings here. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So now when I go, yeah, maybe I still want a new car, and I do. You hear, you hear where my heart's at right now? I'm, 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 I'm on the list for one. We're going to get one soon. But, um, you know, I, I want one, but rather than that being my focus, I'm like, wait, wait God, what's your desire here? What's your will here? It starts, I start looking at things differently because my mind's been transformed. I've spoken about it before, but this idea of really coming under the rule and the reign of the kingdom, this kingdom mentality is a choice I have to choose to make. Rather than me trying to understand everything or do things my way, I choose to submit under this. I move from saying, God bless me, into, God, how can I bless others? What does that look like? My relationship might be in shambles, or I might be going through a separation, and rather than saying, God, show them they're wrong. (laughs) Change their heart. Change their mind. It switches and God changed me in the image that you want me to be. I'm not in charge of how someone else will act or respond. I can always influence, of course, but I'm not in control of that. But I am responsible for me. And if I'm serious about doing this, doing life, and doing it together, and doing it and living the best possible life because I know his ways are way better than my ways, I have to choose to submit to this. I'm going to weep with others. I'll comfort where I can. I'll stop trying to fix everything with my Christianese jargon. And I'll just live life with people, showing them how important they are. And when it's the right time to speak, I'll speak. And I know when the right time will be to speak, because I'll be praying, and Holy Spirit will reveal that to me. I've shared with the music team a time or two, and I've spoken with my closest friends about this. The shortest verse in the Bible, my cop-out memory verse, is John 11.35. And guess what it says? Yeah, you had some cop-out memory verses, too. It's Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now, I'm not going to do a full dissertation on this, but Jesus wept. And I, I got asked to, to do a message for um, a church in Rockingham uh, during the, the COVID situation. And I really started thinking about what's the church's role amidst pandemics. Because, you know, when COVID happened, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. God's punishing the world and everything. Pandemics have been a part of our history forever. This is nothing new. And I'm, that's not what I'm talking about here, but I, I came to this scripture of Jesus wept. And it was just like, have you ever stopped? To, why did God cry? Jesus wept. So he finds out that Lazarus, his friend, is dead. You know, the whole thing was like, oh, Jesus, you were three days late because you've been dead for three days. So he finds out that Lazarus is dead, and he actually cries, knowing full well that what he's going to do. Knowing that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So I just, like, that, that, that concept at the time, when I was, it just, it floored me. And so I had to share it with everybody. I had to talk with everyone about it. It had such a profound impact. I mean, why would Jesus weep knowing he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Why connect with Mary, Martha, and that community that were grieving? Why do that? Did Jesus want Lazarus to die? I don't think so. The Bible doesn't clearly say. But I know we serve a, a, a God of life and joy and peace. And yet he chose to weep with him. But God, I shouldn't have cancer. This isn't your will. We sang, we sang it this morning. They had no idea, but I had this one. Oh, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. And he is. 
But we're saying, God, this, this is not your will. I shouldn't be going, hear this, shouldn't? I shouldn't be going through this. No, I don't think you should have cancer. I don't think God does either. But, I mean, that's not my place. But when I look at Jesus, the guy who just spent time weeping over his friend dying, even knowing fully well that he could raise him from the dead and that he was going to, and that he did, Jesus prayed in the garden right before he knew he was going to die. And he said, Father, take this cup from me. I don't want this. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. This is word, the word, the Bible, the, the, the manifestation of the, the word in human flesh saying, not my will, but your will. We get so hung up on what's happened. And rather than trying to figure out if what's happened in our life is God's will or not, let's switch our focus and pray according to his will. God, your word says, by your stripes I'm healed. So I claim healing according to your word and I hold to it. And I don't want to put a condition on that, but if you pray that and it doesn't happen, are you still going to believe and hold fast to it? God, your word says, look at the birds in the air and the flowers in the fields. They don't worry about where their meals come from or how they're going to be clothed. So I thank you for your provision. I know you're going to sustain me and see me through it. I might not be eating filet mignon every night, but you're going to see me through. Because that's what your word says. So I claim that. I pray that because I know that's in line with your word. Is what I'm praying for reflecting his character, his nature, and his desires? Good question. Band, you can come up now. If I don't know how to pray, Jesus gave us the archetype. And I've gotten to the point, I guess, in my old age where I actually pray this every day. It just, it feels right. It's so weird, but it just feels right. And this, uh, I'm sure if you've been in church for any length of time, you know this. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 13. We call it the, the Lord's Prayer. It says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive those that, that owe us stuff, <laughs> who've wronged us. You know, some, some versions say, you know, sinned against us. It says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Awesome. That's absolutely awesome. And, and so we say, but you know, can, I, can I pray for myself? Of course you can. Jesus is he's teaching his disciples how to pray. Here, leave that up, please. Leave that up. Go back to verse 9, or verse, um, uh, yeah, 9, please. Jesus is teaching his, his followers how to pray, and he's like, listen, pray for yourself. Say, God, you know, give me my, my sustenance. Lead me on the right paths. Help me maintain a repentant heart so I'm not harboring this bitterness. But I love how Jesus sets it up. It's not, let me pray for what I want first. It's like, let me get in the right mind frame. Look at this. It's founded on a relationship. Our Father automatically puts it in the context of a relationship. Our Father, it's founded on faith who is in heaven. I believe that he is somewhere, and he is ruling and reigning. It's founded on worship. Hallowed be your name. Your name is above every other name. It's founded on expectation. Your kingdom come. It's founded on submission, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's set up. And then it moves on to, and give us today our daily bread. First John 5, when it's saying that he's going to listen to us when we pray according to his will. As we get to know God more, as we study more, as we pray more, we start to see things as God sees them and then begin to live a life full of purpose. We see time and time again Jesus being moved with compassion and meeting people where they're at. And guess what? He met me and he still meets me where I'm at. That's who he is. 
John eleven thirty five, 35, Jesus wept. We, we serve a God who gets his hands dirty, who hurts when we hurt, aches when we do. My will doesn't want that. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to go to someone when they're grieving. It's uncomfortable. But as I draw closer to him and he draws closer to me, my thinking is transformed and his will begins to become my will. The radical love we see in 1 John starts to take on a whole new meaning. A whole new meaning. I stop worrying about my life being perfect and I see that my life now has purpose. Living in his will gives me a purpose. Praying according to his will gives my life purpose and then rather than waiting on God to intervene we become the intervention I might have to get my hands dirty I might have to walk in forgiveness which seems very much in line with the will of God and guess what that's what I'm going to do because that's what his will is I might not always understand what's happening in life and I might not like it but I'm going to stand firm in God's will because his ways are higher and his ways are better and that's one of my confidences that I have I'm confident that his ways are higher and his ways are better. So this radical love of God which pursues us day after day and continually changes us and transforms us into to his image and gets us in line with his will. Our response to life in the day-to-day becomes, God, I want what your will is, not mine. It rewires our thinking. It rewires our brain. Our desires begin to change, and as we draw near to him, guess what he does? draws near to us. That's a confidence. That's a promise that we have. When we're near to him, our request, these petitions that, that John mentioned in verse 14 of chapter 5, they move from what can you do for me, Lord, to what can I do for you? And I do believe God's saying, ask me and watch what I can do. Ask me and watch. Can we pray? Can we pray? I'm going to invite Pastor Josh back up as well, but I'd like to pray as a church. Father God, right now, Lord, as a community, as a body, we thank you, God, that we we have this confidence that we can approach. And right now, Lord, I just pray that you speak to each and every one of us where we're at. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Transform us into who you want us to be, God. Pray that you become more evident than you ever have on a daily basis. God, and as we draw near to you, we know that you're going to draw near to us. So right now, I lift up every person in this building, every person watching on on live stream, on Facebook, on YouTube. God, lift them up. Mm. Mm -mm. God, we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. Amen to that. Let it be so. Mm. In your name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.